Welcome to the Andy Mazur Podcast. I'm Andy, and thanks for being here. Remember, hit the subscribe button if you like what you're hearing. Wherever you may be listening across the many different podcasting platforms like Spotify, Google, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts. I've also created a YouTube page, so just search Andy Mazur Podcast for video trailers of each week's podcast, and I certainly appreciate you checking us out. This podcast is sponsored locally by Roots Pizza with four convenient Chicago-area locations. There's sure to be a Roots Pizza near you. Stop in for Quad City-style pizza with that sweet malted crust, and don't forget to order the mozzarella sticks. They're unforgettable, and I think they're life-changing. For more information, head to rootspizza.com. My guest today is the owner of one of the funniest Twitter accounts you'll see on the platform. If you love the 70s and 80s and sports and pop culture, then Super 70s Sports is the place for you. Ricky Cobb is the man behind the tweets. He now has over a half a million followers and is still pinching himself over all that success. And he joins me now here on the Andy Mazur Podcast. And Ricky, I've got to tell you, I follow Super 70 Sports and I love the account. I just can't stop laughing every time I visit. Well, thank you. You know, that's the that's the goal on a good day is to uh, hit the target well enough that you can get some laughs. So if, uh, if that's happening, then uh, I, I must be doing my job at least semi-decently. Yeah, now speaking of that, I mean, you, you have a full-time job, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a, I'm a college professor by day. Um, and, uh, ho- hopefully for not much longer, you know, it, the super seventies has grown, um, you know, so much and really the past two or three years, especially that, uh, you know, it's getting to a point where, um, you know, I think I'm going to have to, you know, move, move all in, in, in order to, you know, ride this rocket and, and see where it ends up. Okay, so the obvious question is, how did you stumble into this? You know, that that is something that I've asked myself uh, many times because, uh, you know, it's it, obviously it's a joy. I, I feel so lucky uh, that this has happened. I, you know, I, I really feel like I caught lightning in a bottle. And it goes back to I was on uh, Christmas break uh, about, I don't know, maybe about eight years ago. And I think I was just looking for something to amuse myself in, in my downtime. And I've, I've always been, you know, sort of a comedically minded person. You know, I'm that guy. And I think that uh, I was looking for an outlet for that. And I, I thought, you know, maybe my friends would follow it. Maybe a few other people, you know, might notice it. But I, I never I never thought I would make a dime uh, you know, in, in terms of creating a career for myself, it was strictly something that I, I thought might be a little side hobby, nothing more. So how much time a day do you think you spend, you know, looking through and trying to find pictures and trying to come up with those captions? Oh God. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's in intermittent spurts, you know, from the minute that I wake up until the minute that I go to bed, really. Um, it's become a part of my lifestyle. My phone is, you know, almost an extension of myself, uh, at this point, you know, in my life. And so, you know, I would say easily I'm doing it, you know, more than 10 hours a day, uh, which is, you know, pretty insane, but it is, uh, it's something that I work, uh, doing, you know, pretty much no matter where I am or, or what's going on, you know, I'm the guy who would be, you know, on his phone at a funeral, you know, just because I, (laughs) I've got to do it, you know, even if I'm on vacation and I, I was in Las Vegas, uh, last weekend and, you know, I'm, I'm tweeting as, as I'm walking from one casino to the next, you know, uh, because I've always got to feed the beast. You know, I, I tweet about maybe 25 times a day. So it's, it's constant. Yeah. And, you know, you'd think that you have a team of writers because of all the, the, the captions that you're coming up with. I mean, yeah, OK, we'll let the kids know there's some blue uh, blue words in there that maybe aren't suitable for uh, those under 13. But for those in the in the generation you're trying to go for Gen X, 70s and 80s, I mean, it's it hits the mark. Yeah, I mean, the you know, the the, the language is one of those things that, you know, people do bring up to me. And I, you know, I just tweet like I think. And I tweet like I speak and, you know, really, I I think the tone of the feed is that you're hanging out with me because that's really the way that I've always viewed it. You know, if it's my Twitter account, then, and, and I had no thought that I was trying to build a brand or create an audience or whatever. I think the thing that's 
kind of most beautiful about Super 70s is it's all been completely organic. And, you know, I think my audience knows that, particularly the the ones that have been with me for a few years, that I'm just a guy, uh, you know, like, like, like my followers are, right? You know, we're just guys and I just hit a little sweet spot for myself and found this, uh, found this niche, uh, you know, and, and, and what I came to realize is that, you know, it, it's not just a few hundred people or my friends or my family that were interested. It turns out that there's so many of us, sort of this silent army uh, of us that remember with, you know, great fondness and affection, uh, you know, the 70s and the 80s and, and 90s. And so it's it's almost like we have a little uh, high school class reunion of sorts every day, you know, even if we didn't all go to the same school. I'm going to show people the brand because uh, I think that the the uniform that you have, the baseball with the mustache, uh, kind of uh, modeled after the Astros jerseys from a long time ago, if people remember the the creamsicles that, uh, that I think people used to talk about all the time. But it, it's just one of those things that you look at and you're like, oh, my God, it's the Astros. It's the 70s. This is, this is stuff I can go back to and remember and, and, and really just reminisce. Yeah, you know, the logo is, uh, you know, I think evocative of the of the time period with the the, the hair and the mustache and the uh, uh, cigarette, obviously, and the shades and the in the garish uh, colors and whatever. And, 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 you know, the 70s was, you know, sort of aesthetically letting it all hang out. Uh, compared to most other decades, right? And so it's one of the things that I love about the 70s is that you, you kind of have this juxtaposition of just complete outrageousness in terms of the, you know, uh, clothing, right? The, the, the leisure suits and plaids and all these crazy, you know, bell bottoms and polyester, <laughs> right? And these huge cars that are, you know, just land boats, uh, you know, those mafia type cars that, you know, all of us had a grandparent that drove one of those, you know, it might've been a Plymouth <laughs> a it Buick. Automobile. It could have been a Cadillac, but, uh, it, you know, all those huge cars that all got, uh, you know, four miles to the gallon and the shag carpeting and just sort of this, just visually very, uh, interesting, let's say, uh, time period. And, and then you still kind of push that back against, we were still a little more innocent and earnest as a society at the, at the same time. And so the seventies, I think one of the reasons that people, um, you know, I, I've been surprised and delighted to find that people, uh, remember the seventies with uh, as much affection as I do. And I think one of the reasons for that is it, it really was just a kind of a sweet spot culturally where we had a lot of different things happening. And it's kind of ironic too, because it was probably sweeter and more innocent because we didn't have social media. And now because of social media, we can relive the seventies. Yeah. And, and, and I think that in a, in an odd way, you know, part of the popularity for the account, at least based on what people tell me is they like the account because it's sort of a sanctuary from, you know, so much of the sludge uh, that, that you do find on social media. You know, sometimes I spend more time creating content on social media than consuming it probably. But when I do start poking around Twitter and, you know, kind of checking what people are talking about, you know, sometimes I think to myself, oh, geez, okay, I, I, I guess I get why they like me. <laughs> because if, if nothing else, you know, even if I'm not having, uh, you know, my best day in terms of my jokes, if nothing else, it's a place where, you know, and you can look around and you're, you're not, you're not going to encounter anything that's probably going to give you a headache anyway. Yeah, it's more comfort than anything, I think. Yeah, it's chicken soup, uh, you know, for for uh, the, uh, you know, Gen X kids soul. And, uh, you know, I, I, the, the, the younger generation, you know, seems to resonate with a lot of it, too, because I think they haven't seen a lot of this stuff, you know, for for guys like you and me, you know, we, we definitely have that nostalgic. It brings up personal memories for us and and, and things of that nature. And then you then you have like the, the younger generation who for, you know, they may not get the reference on, you know, a, a number of the tweets, but so many of the tweets just 
they speak for themselves just visually or as an idea, kind of regardless of what the caption or, or what the context is. And so I think that, uh, you know, for, for younger folks, you know, they get a kick out of seeing some of this wild stuff that, you know, that they, they never heard of before. Yeah, they probably can't believe the outfits either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's hard to believe that some of those outfits were, were worn with, you know, as I said, so much earnestness. Yeah. Uh, no, but we, we weren't, we weren't so self-aware then, you know, we're, we're a little too self-aware in some respects, I think as, as a culture now. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I want to get to some of the tweets here in a second, but I want to get a little background on you. Where'd you grow up? I, I grew up in the metropolis of Horse Cave, Kentucky. Okay. A population at the time, you know, like 2000, 2500. I think we had one red light. Uh, maybe, maybe up to two now, uh, but I'm from small town, rural Kentucky and, uh, you know, ended up in the Chicago area, uh, for my day job about 20 years ago. So it kind of begged the question too, because, you know, in Kentucky, there's, there's no professional sports. Uh, what, what was the first sports team you really kind of gravitated to and how did that happen? Um, that's a great question. Uh, and you're right. That was one of my great frustrations as a kid was that Kentucky did not have a professional sports team because my sports consciousness really begins uh, in 1978. That's when, you know, I look back on it and I think, you know, the first Super Bowl I remember was uh, Cowboys Broncos, uh, which I think was what Super Bowl 12. Yeah. uh, First world series I remember was uh, 78 with the, the the Yankees uh, defending against the Dodgers. And so uh, the Kentucky Colonels, of course, you know, uh, got killed in the in the merger uh, between the ABA and the NBA in 76. And so I was always fascinated with the fact that Kentucky had a professional basketball team and it was sort of yanked away from me before I I came of age. But um, the first team that I really became a hardcore, the first two teams that I became a hardcore fan of. Uh, the first was the uh, Kentucky Wildcats basketball because basketball is a religion uh, in the state of Kentucky. And so I was indoctrinated into that, baptized into uh, that uh, from an early age. I've since recovered <laughs> being a Kentucky fan, but uh, that was the first. And they won the championship in 78. I, you know, I was uh, six years old when uh, they beat Duke in 78. And so that was my introduction into college sports. And then my first pro team was the New York Yankees. And I was a hardcore Reggie Jackson fan. So, uh, you know, the first year that I was a, a fan uh, of baseball, the, the I, you know, I thought it was easy. I was seven years old and all my favorite teams were going to the championship and they were winning. I didn't, I, I didn't realize that it doesn't always work that way. Being a cut growing up to be a Cubs fan taught me, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot harder than, uh, th- than it seemed when I was a little boy. Yeah. I had that affliction as well. And, uh, I, I haven't grown out of it. I mean, professionally, I've had to grow out of it a couple of times just because of uh, the nature of what I was doing for a living. But yeah, that, that does teach you at an early age to, to take your punishment and kind of go with it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, so sports, um, uh, you know, I think for those of us that are that are big sports fans, uh, you know, once we're hooked, we're hooked. And, uh, you know, it's it's something that lasts a lifetime. I mean, you know, even for folks that become, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, disgusted or frustrated with the, the state uh, of, you know, the evolution maybe uh, of sports, you know, you, we can look at any league and say, well, you know, and, it, you know, what's the... You, I guess for the NBA, you know, the biggest complaint is, is like, it's a three point fest now. Right. right. And we can, I can say, you know, the eighties, my God, magic and bird and the ball movement. And it was a more beautiful game to watch in my opinion. Right. But, uh, um, you know, even for the guys who feel that way and say, Oh, well, you know, I, I, I don't like to watch the NBA or major league baseball or, you know, whatever's the case now, you know, those, those same people will always have an affection for the state of the sport 
you know, in, in its ideal form for them, right? Whatever that was. And so, you know, there, there's lots of fans too that I think, uh, you know, regardless of what you think of the current state of sports, when you come to Super 70s, you know, you know that you're going to be, you know, seeing and, and viewing it uh, throughout the tweets as, you know, perhaps, you know, what you viewed a better world as being. Right, the reason I was asking you about the sports teams, too, is because I noticed on your on your tweets, uh, you have a, an abundance to to, uh, to use a lot of Montreal Expo stuff. I mean, Andre Dawson from, from the day and Ellis Valentine and Warren Cromarty and, and Gary Carter and all those guys. I mean, was there a connection between you and the Expos as well? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, it, it, there's there's no real logical reason for why the kid from Kentucky would be a Montreal Expos fan. I, I think it goes back to the, the, the uniforms. I love the pinwheel hats. And I think for kids, lots of times, especially, you know, I look at a lot of my favorite teams and, and being from Kentucky and not having like a default favorite team necessarily to have, I, I suppose the Reds were the closest thing that we had. And I did go to a Reds game every year when I was a kid. That was the only major league ballpark that I'd ever been in until I was 20 years old was, uh, was Riverfront Stadium. and But I never was, a you know, hardcore Reds fan. You know, I liked the Reds, but, and so I think I became kind of a sports generalist for that reason. And, 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 you know, it's turned out to serve me well, I think in, in being the super seventies guy, because I was following, you know, kind of the entire uh, sports landscape rather than just the local teams. Now I've talked myself all the way back around out of your question oh, so that's okay. with your question again, and I'll try to, Answered. And I was just kind of thinking, you know, that you, you, yeah, you answered it because I was asking you really, you know, what was the, what gravitated you toward the the expos, and I think you you nailed it right there with the with the hats and everything too. So, oh, you're you're yeah. good. Yeah, specifically for the expos, I you know I went to uh, one Reds game a year, and felt very lucky to to do that. It was a little bit of a haul for us, maybe three plus hour drive. And so my mom would take me to a game every year and, you know, it was a big deal. You'd pick your game, you know, who am I going to go see him play this year? You know, what team am I going to pick? Who do I want to see? And in 1983, I picked the Expos. And so I remember going to Riverfront Stadium. Uh, they, you know, and I, and I think I was captivated when they played O Canada before the game. You know, that was like, I mean, I'm not much of a world traveler. So, I mean, Montreal is probably about the most international flavor. <laughs> but when I was a kid, um, abs absolutely, uh, you know, hearing Oh Canada, I was fascinated. You know, they're from a different country and, and they had so many great players, as you were referencing, you know, Andre Dawson, Tim Raines, Gary Carter. You got those Hall of Famers, Steve Rogers, Ellis Valentine, who is a, who is a friend and, uh, uh, a great guy, um, Al Oliver, an, 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 another guy that I, I know just a little bit, who's a very nice man. And so I became an Expos fan. And I, you know, and, and bizarrely enough, uh, I, I ended up on the cover of the Montreal Gazette back in, I think, around February of this year. They did a, a really nice, Stu Cowan did a really uh, nice feature piece uh, about me uh, in the sports section. And they ended up uh, you know, uh, putting me down in the corner of the front page of the paper. So I, th I think being on the cover of the Montreal Gazette might be about the coolest thing that <laughs> has ever happened to me. So that was, you know, that was quite an honor. You know, it's funny you bring up the Expos too, because my brother and I, uh, growing up, go back to the days where they played at Jerry Park, which was, you know, before they went into the, uh, the indoor stadium. And they had a, a public swimming pool outside the right field gate and outside the right field seats. And when we would go into the bathroom and fill up the bathtub, there was a little ledge, uh, you know, where the where the, uh, the the glass doors would stop, and we used to throw wiffle balls over the uh, the edge and pretend it was Cubs players hitting balls into the into the pool. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's uh, you know, that was the that was the thing. Park Jerry. Yeah. You know, the, the, the P A R C. I mean, it's it's all very exotic for a Kentucky boy. So yeah, the, the, the Expos were, were, were one of my sources of fascination for sure as a sports fan. And I'm still, uh, I'm still hoping maybe one day there's going to be a path uh, for Montreal to, to have an expansion Expos franchise or, 
or, you know, take on a team that relocates. I know the Tampa base, you know, situation has been frustrating for the folks up there. Yeah, it's funny you said that too, because uh, there's, there's several hockey players that I've come across in my career getting a chance to interview them that are from Montreal and they beg for a team to come back there. They say, we got to get a team back there. Just get rid of that ballpark. The ballpark was, was awful. It was just, it had no, it had no friendliness. It had no, it was, it was terrible. And they said that people love baseball there, but they hated the stadium. They didn't go. It's, you know, Olympic stadium. I'm so happy. I finally got an opportunity to go there in 2014 when they uh, were hosting uh, a spring training. A game there you know it was uh i think the mets played the blue jays a couple of times and i know that they've done it since but uh when i found out that they were going to be playing uh you know actual major league teams in in olympic stadium for the first time since the expos left town i i knew i had to go so i went up there for that and that was my first you know experience i certainly had an idea of what olympic stadium was like from you know, watching it on television through the years and everything, but actually being able to go in it and walk around and experience it. I mean, it, it was a great experience and I loved it, but it was, it was really like a time capsule. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it is a cold structure that is definitely screaming seventies. I, 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 I fucking loved it. <laughs> it was cookie cutter. Yeah. Just like yeah. the old riverfront and veteran stadium and all those, all those stadiums. Give me those big concrete multi-sport <laughs> surface. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a sick twisted individual because, you know, I'm the guy who genuinely would probably rather uh, see a game in one of those, uh, you know, concrete bowls uh, than in a beautiful ballpark. But, uh, but yeah, you know, they, they obviously need a, need a stadium. And if, if they'd had a, you know, a real ballpark, uh, you know, maybe perhaps history would have written itself differently as far as the relocation. Yeah. They also had uh, La Grande Orange. They had the Rusty Staub there for a while. Everybody loved him and, so many colorful players came from that, uh, you know, for, for a time they were the, the, they were the minor leagues to the major leagues because everybody got traded from there to somewhere else and, and, and made that other team better. Yeah. I mean, uh, Montreal had a, you know, great run. Uh, and, you know, the fact that it was cut short in the way that it was still, still rankles me. And, you know, I can only imagine how frustrated you know, the, the Expos fans from Montreal, you know, must must still be. We'll have more of our conversation with Ricky Cobb, owner of Super 70 Sports on Twitter and Super70SportsStore.com. The Andy Mazer Podcast is sponsored by Roots Pizza, part of the 5050 Group, with four locations throughout the city of Chicago, South Loop, Old Town, Lincoln Square, and the flagship restaurant in West Town. Roots features quad city-style pizza with the ingredients on top of the cheese, and it's cut into strips. The crust is malted for that hint of sweetness with every bite. Don't forget to order the mozzarella sticks. They are simply life-changing. Roots is open for dine-in and carry-out. And for the restaurant location near you, head to rootspizza.com or download their app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Roots Pizza, take it from me. It's so good. The Andy Mazer Podcast. Now back to Andy. All right, let's get back to uh, Super 70s here because, you know, you mentioned being on the, uh, the the cover of the Montreal newspaper was something that was pretty cool for you. I- I'm going to show folks, I'm going to show you too that this this tweet that I think kind of puts you on the map, and it's Howard Cosell surrounded by Bruce Jenner and O.J. Simpson, and your caption is hilarious because we all know what these you know other two men became, uh, and it says, ladies and gentlemen, I have looked into the future, and you will not believe this shit. That's the one, you know, uh, every day when I get up, that's the, that's the target because you know what it, it went around the world and back and back around the world again. And it's, you know, you see it memed even now I, I see it around the internet as I'm, um, you know, going around and looking for material and stuff. And so it, yeah, that, that's the one that I think kind of, um, you know, probably moved me up a tier in the, growth process, uh, for super seventies. And, um, you know, obviously 
that was a, a visual that, you know, the number one thing I needed to do was just not screw it up <laughs> with the caption, right? You know, I think the caption was a good caption. So, I, you know, I, I will give myself credit for that. Yeah, pat but yourself on the back. That was a good one. I'll, I'll give myself a little uh, uh, self uh, back pat there for that. But, uh, but you know, it, it speaks for itself. And, I you know, there's a reason that it resonated so much. There are times when I look at your, your Twitter feed and I swear that you were living in my house because I'm, I'm putting up the one right now with the Sears catalog and it had this page in it that always had all the football jerseys. I think even at, at, at one point you could buy a full set. You had a shoulder pads, you had the, the helmet and everything because my brother and I used to circle those things in the, in the catalog every time you know, the holidays would come around to let, make our parents understand that this is the jersey we wanted, this is what we wanted. And you said, you know, your, your caption says, best page in the series catalog every year. I got Earl Campbell and Doug Williams when I was in fourth grade, and I'm still psyched about it. I, I swear you were, you know, you, you were living with us because you knew what we were doing. See, I mean, that's the thing. I spent most of my life thinking that some of these opinions that I had, I, I didn't realize that we all felt this way, you know? And so I think that as much as anything was uh, why this thing took off is I just started saying stuff that I think we all kind of privately thought, but we just weren't talking about really, you know, in a lot, I just kind of came into the room and just started pointing out this shit and, you know, um, a lot of folks related to it, you know, obviously I, you know, as I've learned in the years of, of, of doing super seventies, I mean, it was pretty much all of us that were looking through those catalogs and lusting after uh, these things. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a kind of universal childhood that we had to, in a way that I'm not sure kids today are getting, you know, culture is so much more splintered now. And there's a lot of advantage to it. I mean, obviously, I can't sit here and, and and say that social media is bad when social media is the only reason that I'm even here having a conversation <laughs> with. Oh, you know? social media has been good to me, so uh, I, I wouldn't want to live in a world without it. But having said that, you know, back in our day, there were fewer things, and therefore we all did more similar things to one another. And I think, you know, these decades later, I, I believe we probably have more things that are kind of universally or semi-universally relatable than maybe kids will, uh, you know, 30 or 40 years from now, I guess we'll see. Okay. We talk about simpler times. I'm putting up uh, the tweet right now with the, with the, the lovely, Paper football, which to me was uh, the defining moments of, of some of our uh, recesses in, in grade school. And it says there's nothing like kicking off a game of paper football. I'll be honest, you totally, you're totally into it right now, aren't you? And I'm like, my, I had to explain to my fiance because when we get paper uh, plastic bags from restaurants, she will fold them exactly like the old paper football. And I'm saying, I'm like, oh my god, paper football! And she looked at me like I'm like I got a, a third, I grew a second head. And you know, she's not that much younger. Than, I won't say how much, how old she is, but uh, you know, she's of the generation, and she never saw that. And I, I live with. I used to make those things in in class. Yeah, you know, well, girls were doing those things where you would like move it in, and it would change. Oh yeah, the origami stuff. Yeah, the origami stuff. I see. I don't understand. I don't, I still don't understand what they were doing. Uh, but this. I, I understand, you know, and the, in the caption for that tweet was just a genuine thought, you know, I, 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 I'm conditioned to, if I see one of these things, like I, you know, like I want to play, there's a part of me right now, you know, that wants to reach through my phone and grab that and put it down on the table and see <laughs> if, you know, skid one over uh, for a touchdown. Yeah. And we couldn't wait until it was Thanksgiving because my mom would put the, the extra leaf in the dining room table and made the field that much longer. So we had to go from, from a two down football to four downs, you know, it was great. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal right there. That was huge. Like so, super exactly. Exactly. And kicking the field goals with the, the finger uh, goalposts and getting, uh, you know, undoubtedly getting uh, nicked in the face at one point by that thing was, was a rite of passage. Oh yeah. I mean, there, there's gotta be some guy out there in an eye patch right now. <laughs> you know, that's his, that's his intriguing story of, of how that happened to him. 
But that was the best part of scoring a touchdown was getting to kick the extra point. That's that right. Was a, that was that was really the funnest part of the game. And there were so many ways to do it. You could hold it on the little tiny tip. You could hold it like uh, oblong. You could. It, there were so many different ways to try to kick, and you tried to had to figure out which way was going to be the best for you. I guarantee you, there are competitive leagues of paper football out there somewhere. I, I'm I'm going to look. I'm going to Google later. But I guarantee you, there have to be some nut jobs uh, our age <laughs> who take way too seriously and and are and are having tournaments and stuff. Well, please let me know if you find that out because I'd like to uh, to get in on that myself. Uh, if I've, not, maybe you and I just you know found our calling. We can we can be co co partners on this incredible new uh, uh, sport. Hey, if the USFL can come back, paper football can come back, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think we've got a better chance than the USFL. I think I think you're right too. You know, the other thing that you tweet about, and it's just it it just amazes me. I'm going to put another one of these up here, and you find these pictures, and again, the caption really makes it work because there's a picture of a guy in an Edmonton Oilers jersey. He was a goaltender who looks like he's like 70 years old, and you wrote in there that if your goalie doesn't look like a 56 year old two term tenanter uh, who has co sponsored some key legislation, I don't feel confident about your chances in the playoffs. I can't say that any better. My only problem with that tweet was settling on how old I was going to say he was. (laughs) I I decided 56, but I, you know, 56 somehow sounds funnier than 60, but I, you know, if you told me that he was 60 there, I wouldn't blink, you know, I mean, I'm 50. So I, he looks like he could, you know, he definitely looks like he, you know, he might be my dad. I mean, but it's not out of the question. He looks like a young Walter Mondale. <laughs> yeah, he does. He looks, uh, you know, he looks very senatorial. Ted Cruz retweeted that, by the way. Oh, nice. Okay. So, yeah, you're getting some traction on these things. Yeah, you know, a little senatorial, I guess, uh, you know, I know I, I know. anytime you mention a politician, I'm, I'm, I'm not presenting it with a, a, an opinion about Ted Cruz. No, no. Yes, sen- senatorial humor, you know, is probably in short supply. Yes. He probably enjoyed that for that for that reason. You know, and the other things you you tweet about too are are things, and you admittedly go from seventies and into the eighties as well, because uh, there's some movie references here. And one of my favorite movies of all time that I could probably do with you right here, right now, word for word, is Fletch. And there's some great scenes. Obviously, the one where he pretends he's the uh, the aviation uh, expert and the and the technician, and reminds everybody that it's all ball bearings. It's all about ball bearings nowadays, you know, uh, manure spreader uh, on the Santa Ana, right? I believe. Yes. Terrible, terrible mess. And the tremendous buildup of muck on the windshield. <laughs> That's right. You know, and so, yeah, it's a Fetzer valve issue, uh, I believe, is, is, is was the diagnosis. But, yeah, you know, I mean, Fletch is one of the most quotable movies uh, of the 80s or any other time, uh, really. And, uh, you know, obviously the moral of the moral of this whole deal is go to the Super 70 Sports Store dot com where you can find all kinds of Fletch inspired and other weird thing inspired apparel. Yeah. And before I, I want to ask you about that, but I want to ask you about a couple other things real quick, too, because you concentrate sometimes on not just toys, but also candy. And I think yesterday I replied to one of your tweets yesterday about bottle caps. I mean, I was a kid growing up, I was allergic to chocolate. So I didn't I couldn't eat Hershey bars or Reese's peanut butter cups or anything like that, like all my friends were. And I gravitated to those sweet candies like sweet tarts and bottle caps. And I looked at that picture and you know, your tweet was you can smell the picture. I could taste the picture too. I mean, it was just one of those things where and it got me thinking. I think I responded to it and said that there was a lime one before there was a cherry one. <laughs> you even know your bottle caps history. How about that? You're so into that's that. scary. So I, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you, you you have your credentials. And Neapolitan ice cream. You've also tweeted about Neapolitan ice cream, which was the greatest ice cream of all time. Even when a kid was growing up allergic to chocolate, if I just had a tiny little sliver of it when I was scooping the strawberry or the vanilla, it was okay. But I got that taste. You just got a you got a little bit of flavor there. You were you were innocent. You weren't going for it. But you know, once you got up on that Neapolitan line. You know, there was there was bound to be a little crossover. Oh, it's it's just so good, and you know, Mattel electronic football and the electronic football itself, and the big wheel, and I, I mean, it's one of those things that you don't have to be a sports fan 
to really appreciate and enjoy. It helps a little bit in, in some cases, but I think it's, it just speaks. I mean, it, and, I, and I, I don't know if that was your original intention, but it just speaks to uh, people of a certain age and a certain generation that kind of long for the good old days when we could just go downstairs in the basement and, and play with the garage with the, with the lift uh, for the matchbox cars or the hot wheels. Yeah. It, it, you know, people ask me why super 70 sports and the answer of why super 70 sports is I didn't have any idea that it was going to become what it became. I thought I was going to create a Twitter feed where I tweeted things about sports in the seventies and that's what it was going to be to the, you know, five seconds of thought that I had given it before I decided to create the account. And as time goes on, you know, as you're tweeting 20, 25 times a day, sometimes more than that, um, you need content. It's, it's, there's only so much content. The internet is a vast place, but there's only so many things to talk about. And what I found was, you know, I had things to say about stuff that wasn't just sports. I wanted to talk about the cars. I wanted to talk about the clothes. I wanted to talk about the toys. I wanted to talk about the candies. And I thought, well, you know, why limit myself? You know, I, I don't want the tail to wag the dog. I, I, I shouldn't be tweeting to the name uh, because that doesn't make any sense. And so I started to float tweets about some of this other stuff uh, in just to see what people would think. And, you know, I found that that stuff, if, if anything, was more popular uh, <laughs> than the sports stuff. And so I realized then, well, if, if, if this is what people want, I've got a lot to say about it. And so it just seemed like a, a natural thing to do. And then once I started doing that, it really kind of opened super seventies up, you know, into being, uh, something that was able to cover a lot more ground. Obviously we do the eighties, as, as you said, we even go into the nineties a little bit, just things that, you know, are going to be remembered, uh, by, you know, folks that are, our, that are our age and, and younger people too, as we start to get into the, uh, the eighties and the nineties a little bit. And so I always tell people, you know, sports is always going to be an important theme, uh, of super 70s sports and the 70s are always going to be an important theme of super 70s sports but you know our, the, the the world of super 70s is a little bit more broad than that you know and i and i think that that's the way that people like it do you uh do you feel pressure now i mean because i mean everything you've done is great i mean i i don't i haven't really seen and maybe you you think otherwise that there have been some duds. I haven't really noticed any, to be honest with you. But do you do you feel some pressure, you know, producing? I mean, you're talking twenty to twenty five tweets a day. There's got to be something, uh, you know, that you're thinking. Oh man, is this going to go? Is this going to work? Um, yeah, you know, I, I wake up every day without a plan. Um, I wake up every day without usually anything uh, in the in the can. Uh, most days I wake up and you know I just get going. I mean, you know, obviously you know, uh, there, there's going to be certain themes and things that you've done before that you, that, that you, you know, rerun from time to time, or I, or I kind of workshop it, uh, make it better. You know, how can I take this and caption it better than I did, you, you know, a, a year ago or whatever. So there's some of that where you're trying to challenge yourself and, um, uh, you know, see what you can do, but that, that's really, that's really, you know, there's always, new content that has to be created, you know, and that goes back to, you know, what I said, I've, I've created a beast. Now I have to feed it and, and I love it. I love the beast. The beast has given me opportunities. I've, you know, I've friendships and, and, uh, business relationships and, uh, a platform, you know, uh, the, the, like, you know, I could have never imagined. So, you know, I'm super grateful for it and I, and I love it. I truly love it. Super 70s is, you know, it's, I, I really, you know, I, I say it's like an extension of myself. I mean, it is that personal for me. And so for it to have become so popular and for people to have been by and large so kind to me, you know, once you become a public figure of any degree, 
you're gonna you're gonna have some detractors you know and you have to learn to deal with that but by and large folks have been so awesome to me and so you know it's great but but that pressure aspect absolutely is there i i feel like as the audience gets bigger there's more pressure because you know i i not to take myself too seriously but i feel like i have set a standard of a certain caliber of comedy and a certain caliber of the way i present nostalgia and and you know whatever else it is i'm tweeting and so you know i'm i'm aware when i get up that i can't just string together garbage because that's not what people view super 70s as you know at least you know the the, the folks that, that choose to follow me and there, there's definitely pressure and you know I, I i have a lot of confidence because i've been doing it now for you know going seven seven plus years so you know i i, I have that belief in myself because it's you know it's the thing that i do better than i do anything else everybody has their thing right whatever that is and some people are talented and have multiple things that they're they're really good at but you know this just happens to be my thing so it's kind of my sanctuary if i'm having a, a rough day or anything's going on i can always kind of go into twitter get into my zone and you know that's it's you know it's my pitcher's mound right you know when i go out there and and, and get get in twitter you know that's where i'm comfortable and you know, some days are better than others. I, I you know, I will say that you, you know, you're kind to say that you haven't seen me miss very much, but I miss every day. Uh, usually every day there's at least two or three pullbacks because, you know, the, the, you know, I think in some ways the, the part of this that maybe people don't think about is, you know, what I'm really doing is tantamount to stand up comedy a lot of the time. The feedback is immediate it's being delivered in a, you know, the thought needs to be funny and it needs to be delivered in a concise way. And then when you hit send, the reaction comes swiftly. Yeah. I, I know within two or three minutes how well a tweet is going to do, because that's a large enough sample size for me to know if this one is dying, it's going to do okay, or it's going to take off. You know, I know immediately. So what I'm doing is a lot like stand-up, but unlike stand-up, I'm not working in a club with like 20 drunks, you know, sitting around <laughs> trying to see how my material works. Like I'm sending live ammo out to over a half a million people, uh, you know, because there's no place for me to go and workshop it to a smaller audience, you know? So, you know, you can't think about that too much or it'll, it'll, it'll mess with your head. But, uh, but, you know, yeah, if I see something that I put out there just dies and I, and I was lukewarm on it myself, I'll just pull that one down because, you know, I figure why, why leave your, you know, why leave your miss hits out <laughs> clogging clogging things up right so I, I prune i prune the timeline like a tree andy is what i'm is what i'm telling you hey you got to do what you got to do any you know all-stars miss uh, what seven out of every 10 times that's right you know that's absolutely right that'll get you to the hall of fame uh you know is, is what they say right yeah. so uh you know i i gotta hit a little more than i you know I, it's like free throws you know if i'm hitting 80 plus percent of the time i'm you know I guess I'm sad. I'm, I guess I'm satisfied with that. That's good. All right. Before we let you go, let's get to the, uh, the to the store because it's an incredible view. I mean, I've been there a few times myself, and uh, not only do you have things nostalgia, but you also have kind of your own uh, takeoffs on certain things. The the wide world of sports uh, logo, and I, I noticed you turned that into something of your own at Super Seventy Sports Store dot com. Uh, what was that process like? First of all, I mean, I know there's a lot of licensing that's involved and a lot of uh, red tape you got to uh, got to get through, don't don't you? Yeah, you know, it's uh, the 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 store itself, you know, really is, uh, you know, c comes out of the desire to take, 
you know, things that are compatible with the feed and, and, you know, what the, the, the feed hits on and then to try to essentially, you know, create tweets that you can wear, you know, in a way, right? I mean, obviously I don't mean literally, you know, the, the verbiage of a tweet on a shirt, but, uh, you know, it, shirts that ca capture the spirit of, of super seventies and, and, you know, uh, hopefully in a lot of cases, you know, uh, putting designs and things in the store that maybe people aren't, you know, finding everywhere else, uh, you know, things that, uh, you know, when you're looking through the store, I always, uh, always am excited when, you know, I feel like somebody has found a shirt in the store that was a really, really, really deep cut reference. Uh, you know, some, sometimes I've, you know, they're like Easter eggs, right? You know, you'll put a shirt in the store, you know, just because I think it's cool. And I'll be like, you know, I don't, there's only going to be like 15 people that get this reference, but like 13 of them are going to buy the shirt, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing, you know, so it, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's obviously, uh, you know, something that has, has been popular with my followers. And, you know, I'm certainly, certainly grateful for that. And a lot of times you'll have uh, coupon codes too to make it a little more affordable for people, which is which is a great thing, especially these days. And there's so much to like on there, and and it, it's kind of an incentive, I think, to go somewhere where you're you know going to be taken care of a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I it, you know, that's a that's pretty much an evergreen uh, for us uh, offering a, a a discount with a code, and it's a thank you uh, to the followers as well because none of this would be possible without my audience. You know, and 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 really, uh, you know, the gratitude that I have for my for my audience is is huge because there there is no super seventies and nobody would know who I was if not for the folks that come and contribute every day too. You know, I I always say that uh, the tweets themselves are just the starting point. Uh, hopefully, you know, the tweet either makes you laugh if it's intended to be funny. They're not all intended to be funny. Uh, you know, some of them may be just interesting facts or, you know, a, a, a shout out to some uh, athlete or celebrity for whatever reason. But for the ones that are intended to make you laugh, which is probably most of them, um, you know, the you know, what what you're certainly hoping for is that uh, you, you make people happy and and you know, provide some, some bit of entertainment for them. You know, I don't feel like I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not curing cancer or anything like that, but I would like to feel that, you know, to the extent super seventies has any kind of even tiny impact on the world that it's positive because, you know, it's, it's making people uh, laugh and, you know, have, have something that they can feel good about. You know, it's a place, I think, I feel like it's a safe place to, because, you know, I don't usually respond to, to tweets if I think that, you know, someone's going to get on there and, and rip me and make me make me get defensive and, you know, make a lot of people defend. This is this is the kind of stuff, like I said before, this is stuff that's near and dear to a lot of people who are re replying to these tweets. It's near and dear to the heart and it may spur a memory on for somebody else. Or like for me uh, the other day, I wanted to make sure I was remembering correctly that there was a lime bottle cap. It sounds stupid, but, you know, I wanted I wanted a little affirmation and I got it. Yeah, well, you know, it, the this is why I say the comment section is, uh, you know, I mean, it may be the best part uh, uh, about it because, you know, I, I every tweet is kind of like a jump ball, right? <laughs> I, or maybe it's like a beach ball, you know, getting batted around Dodger Stadium or whatever. But, you know, the tweet goes out. Hopefully people click like. Hopefully it gets retweeted. You know, that's what I'm going for. But man, the stuff that people come up with in the comments and the side conversations that get going, like what you're referencing, you know, that is like so much of the pleasure of this because, you know, I, my, my audience, and I really do believe this. I don't have any, I'm not going to Eddie Haskell, you know, fake uh, compliment, you know, goodness, Mrs. Cleaver, you look lovely. <laughs> I'm not going to try to do that with my audience to patronize them. But I've really, I think I got the best clientele on Twitter because I mean, you, you know, witty, intelligent, funny people. And yeah, there's a few uh, knuckleheads that, you know, pop in, but they usually get shouted down pretty quickly by the, by the folks that know what's up. So yeah, for me, it's, it's fun to be able to go into the comments and just see some of the brilliant stuff that's in there and, you know, 
feel like I'm, you know, indirectly responsible for it because, you know, I started the conversation, you know, I, sometimes it's, it's humbling, honestly, uh, to, to see some of the brilliance of things that other people contribute. And, you know, sometimes I even see comments and I think to myself, oh, dang it, you know, like that was the caption that I, that I you know, why didn't I think of that? Exactly. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not jealous of other people's material too often, but it does, but it does happen. And it happens in the comments section. Well, Ricky, I could have talked to you for hours here about this stuff because it's again, something that uh, is, you know, pop culture from that era, the sports from that era is right up my alley. And, uh, you know, we could go on for, for hours here, but you know, you've got to eat dinner. I got to eat dinner and those kind of things. But I really want to, to thank you for taking some time here and uh, kind of shedding some light on how things got started and kind of putting a face to the, uh, the name of the, uh, of super 70 sports. And again, visit the store, super 70 sports.com. And uh, there's a lot of great stuff in there for, uh, for you and for your, uh, the sports fan in your life. Absolutely. You know, father's day, coming up it's a it's a great great for you my girlfriend got a couple of sweet shirts for her dad he's wearing his thornton melon tall and fat men's clothing store uh a shirt around or whatever so you know it's 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 humbling uh you know to to see him do that but it, but no in all seriousness andy it's a, been a real pleasure uh coming on with you today and talking about all these things and i appreciate you having me on you bet. Continued success to you, and I'm sure I'll be uh, retweeting and uh, responding uh, here in the near future. Hey, please do. I'll be disappointed in you if you don't. A big thanks to Ricky Kopp for joining me today here on the podcast. Remember, follow him at Super 70 Sports on Twitter. I'll be back to wrap things up in just a moment. The Andy Mazur Podcast is sponsored by Roots Pizza, part of the 5050 Group, with four locations throughout the city of Chicago, South Loop, Old Town, Lincoln Square, and the flagship restaurant in West Town. Roots features Quad City-style pizza with the ingredients on top of the cheese, and it's cut into strips. The crust is malted for that hint of sweetness with every bite. Don't forget to order the mozzarella sticks. They are simply life-changing. Roots is open for dine-in and carry-out. For the restaurant location near you, head to rootspizza.com or download their app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Roots Pizza, take it from me. It's so good. The Andy Mazur Podcast. Now, here's Andy. And that'll do it for this edition of the Andy Mazur Podcast, sponsored by Roots Pizza. Head to rootspizza.com for more information. I'd like to thank Ricky Cobb once again for joining us here today. Also, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're hearing the podcast so I know you're out there and enjoying what you're hearing. And if you want to get in touch, you can head to our Facebook page for the Andy Mazur Podcast and leave a comment there. Also, we're on YouTube with clips and highlights of each episode of this podcast. That'll do it for this episode. Many thanks again to the Big Earn, the voice man, for his help. And as always, thanks again to Ricky Cobb of Super 70 Sports for joining me here today. And mostly, thanks to you for listening. Until next time, it's Andy Mazur saying, play nice, kids. Take care. Andy Mazur. Hi, pal.